Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaleta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from London City. In this episode, as promised, I would like to speak about something that is extremely sensitive, which is data anonymization. Data anonymization is, uh, in fact, not just one technique, but it's a family of techniques that uh, many practitioners and a lot of organizations out there are using in order to indeed anonymize their data. Now, first of all, let's start. Why would one anonymize data? Well, the reason behind data anonymization is very simple. One might be dealing with third parties who don't necessarily need to get access to all the aspects of the data. And probably, you know, these third parties would like to provide some sort of insight or develop some sort of business application on top of this data that are sensitive because there are confidential signals that cannot be disclosed, but at the same time, these third parties would need access to this data in order to build their applications. At the same time, the data owner requires the cooperation of uh, third party vendors or uh, freelancers, contractors, or you know technology providers in order to uh, bring innovation or create innovative solutions to whatever is their, uh, their business. Having data siloed uh, in organizations doesn't really help because data needs to get access, data needs to get shared, and need to get manipulated according to the business application of your choice. The problem in all this is regulators. And that's not really a problem because I strongly believe that uh, regulators exist for a reason, which is a very noble one because they force data owners and especially large organizations who manage large volumes of data are forced to protect this data and to protect the identity of the individuals who represent this data. Because let's not forget that in a bank, for example, the real data owner uh, is the individual, individual user. And the bank is just the data custodian by law. They are just uh, having the data in custody. But in fact, the, the real owner is the individual, is the person who owns that credit card, who owns that particular identity. And this happens across domains, even though you know many people keep ignoring this. Your identity on Facebook or on Twitter is something that is not the property of Twitter and Facebook. It's your property. It's the property of the individual. And so it is very important that regulations are applied whenever PII, so-called personal identifiable information is involved because it is very, very important that whoever manages your data respects your privacy. With this said, of course, many organizations are already starting managing data in uh, uh, proper ways by using several techniques that allow them to manipulate data while at the same time not disclosing any confidential information. And some of these techniques are already out there. 
for example, anonymization techniques. Now, there are several data anonymization techniques. I will start from probably the most naive of all, which is also called data masking. Now, data masking is a technique that is very simple because it hides data with uh, so-called altered values. So it consists in uh, creating some sort of, you know, mirror version of a data set and apply some techniques that are, for example, a character or word shuffling, um, sometimes encryption uh, or replacement of some words or some special characters or even some characters that belong to the regular alphabet. And so, for example, one can replace a, you know, let's say, a, a value character like R, A, N, uh, with the star X, Y, etc. And so my name, Francesco, would uh, really sound very weird, like Frix, Y, star, whatever, right? And so data masking is extremely effective, but at the same time, it removes the entire utility of this data, you know, because if you mask data, in fact, you are stripping away most of the utility of such data. So many types of analysis cannot be performed on the masked version of this data. So uh, the idea here is not only to anonymize, but also to keep the data usable. And so one would still like to uh, let's say, anonymize data, but at the same time, they still want to share this data and uh, they still want this data to make sense from a business perspective. The other technique that is worth mentioning is uh, uh, so-called generalization. And generalization removes some of the data to make it less identifiable. And so the idea behind generalizing a data set means if you have, for example, an address would be to uh, remove part of this address, like, uh, uh, I don't know, the street number or the postcode or some other element that uh, uh, might make that address, let's say, a common address where many people would be living, but not necessarily just that individual. And so the purpose is to eliminate uh, those identifiers that make it possible to indeed identify uniquely a particular record while retaining some sort of data accuracy so that whoever is analyzing this data, for example, in, by using GPS coordinates or by using the names of the street, can still have the same type of you know, information in terms of location in this case, but would never be able to go to the single person who's living at number, for example, 42 of XYZ Street in London. Another technique goes under the name of data swapping. And data swapping is also called permutation. It's a technique that consists in rearranging the data set by swapping values with each other. If you take, for example, a table uh, you know, made of rows and columns, you would have some columns that you know, contain some identifiers values, for example, the age or the gender. And so one might be swapping these values with these columns in the data set in order to break that relationship between, for example, Joe Smith, who, as, who is 42 and is a male, probably can be swapped with something else like Joe Smith that is, let's say, 28 and it's still a male, you know, because the, the name would be an indicator of, uh, of the gender. But as you see, it's already very difficult. You know, this is already an example in which swapping 
cannot work because imagine if you swapped the gender. So the name would be not consistent with the gender. So you have to find swapping policies that still make sense, right? And finding these is extremely difficult, especially for uh, very complex data sets. Another idea comes from perturbation techniques. And uh, uh, the data perturbation technique is a form of anonymization that allows one to round values like age or like, again, house numbers or uh, probably account balances if we are talking about uh, financial applications. And so one can, uh, in fact, multiply the values of a table or a of a particular column by a certain factor. Now, the problem is that also here, uh, choosing this factor is or can be extremely delicate and sensitive because what would that mean if you multiplied, for example, the house numbers by 42, uh, you know, or the age by a, a number that would bring the age around 200 uh, years or something like that. So, you know, it's it's very difficult to find, you know, these, these techniques are good when we explain them, you know, it's, that's possible, that's possible. But in practice, uh, performing such techniques and uh, making or keeping the data still consistent is extremely difficult. And finally, there is synthetic data. Now, synthetic data is something that is extremely trendy these days because it allows to generate information or generate a data set via an algorithm. And it is extremely fancy because, you know, we have seen a lot of, of these, you know, deep faces uh, in which neural networks or generative models have been uh, used to create medical images or uh, human faces, even sounds or many other data types. Apparently, GANs, for example, or generative models in general seem to work pretty well on generating data. But of course, all that glitters is not gold because there are many other downsides that people are not looking at when we talk about generative models and uh, the usage or the accuracy of the synthetic data. As always, even in the synthetic data space, there is a trade-off that one has to find between utility of the data and privacy, right? And so finding this sweet spot is extremely hard because if you are dealing with a bank or a financial institution for which you pretend security, you pretend that no PII whatsoever is ever preserved in the synthetic form of your data, you also have to give up a bit of your utility of this data. And so, again, you might find data that are extremely private and so for which you know confidential signals are definitely not preserved, but these data start making less and less sense. They become less and less usable to the data consumer who's going to write that application for you by using only synthetic data. Now, we have seen many out there relying on synthetic data and only on synthetic data just because some of the data anonymization techniques that I just explained uh, don't, don't work all the time. And so, for example, the times data anonymization techniques do not work is when one starts cross-referencing data sources, which means whenever one is uh, integrating this anonymous data or, you know, pseudo-anonymous data with something else that is owned by, uh, you know, other data providers, uh, or it's just public information, 
when there is this such a cross-referencing, in fact, it is possible, as we have proved many times, to uh, identify the single record uniquely. Even though those PII fields have been masked, have been obfuscated, have been even stripped away from the original data set. It is possible. We have seen this happening from healthcare to social media to finance. There's no vertical in which this hasn't occurred already. And so the naive practitioner usually thinks, okay, I'm going to rely on synthetic data, which means generating data directly from an algorithm uh, without uh, remembering the fact that an algorithm might be leaking data as well. Because after all, the algorithm has been trained on, on the real data, right? And so there are many, many ways uh, and some attacks that we have been performing at Primal.io in order to uh, disclose some information that has been learned by these machine learning models, especially those generative models, who were in fact holding some secrets that were used to generate new data. But in fact, you know, those secrets were already the confidential signals that they are not supposed to generate at some point, and they were. The take-home message here is don't think that synthetic data and generating data algorithmically is something that would save your soul and keep your data confidential because that's not the case. We have been thinking about this for a while at Primal and uh, we have uh, the luck of having amazing researchers on board who are spending their days and weeks and months on uh, these sophisticated techniques in order to prevent leakage from machine learning models. And uh, that's our, I would say, secret sauce. We are very proud of it, but more on that another time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.